Well, let's go to the Lord together in prayer and ask for His guidance this morning as we go to the Word together. Would you pray, uh, bow your heads with me as we pray? Father in heaven, we, we come before you right now. We need your guidance. We ask for your guidance. Whether we realized before this moment that we needed your guidance, I, I would suggest that your, your Word reminds us again and again that we need to know your word and obey your word. So, Lord, I ask for your guidance and wisdom, your hand in our hearts and lives and minds this morning as we examine the scriptures together. As we look at some important passages this morning that we need to be reminded of, Lord, I pray that you would help the truth of these passages sink deep into our lives, that we might live these out for your honor and glory in a Christ-like way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Truth. Truth. Have you ever noticed that, uh, I'm sure you have, you've noticed that the world that you live in has trouble telling the truth. Right? You know the world you live in has trouble telling the truth, right? Um, Let's talk about advertising for a moment. Right? Truth in advertising. I was reading not too long ago of a fellow who went into a motel to rent a, a, a room for the evening and was presented with two options. One room was less expensive than the other. And he said, what's the difference? What's, what's better about the more expensive room? The answer was, from the clerk, free cable. Free cable in the more expensive room, right? <laughs> Not exactly free now, is it? No, advertisers would say, well, that's not a lie. That's just creative advertising. Oh, that's not a lie. That's just creative marketing, right? And you see all kinds of creative advertising and marketing in this world that we live in, right? There's also this problem that we have of allowing little phrases into our conversation, our daily conversations, I wonder if you're like me. Do you ever cringe when you hear phrases like these? Do they ever cause concern in you? And you've heard these before. You might have even said these phrases before, if not recently. How about a phrase like this? To be completely honest with you. (laughs) Does that ever kind of go, ah, wait a minute. So up until now, you haven't been... Being honest with me, right? Or, this is the gospel truth. You ever hear that? And you go, okay, so there's gospel truth and there's some other kind of truth. Or, just, you know, in the course of conversation, not not truthfully now, truthfully now. (laughs) That kind of bugs me. I've said these things before, and you may have too. And... You hear phrases like that, and my ears over the last few years have kind of become alert to phrases like that, and I go, ah, they don't really mean that, do they? Or, that's the honest truth. And that one cracks me up, because there's like truth and there's honest truth, right? (laughs) Or let me be honest with you for a minute. (laughs) Okay, just, just for a minute, because, you know, I can't handle much more truth than that. Just for a minute, all right? After that, minute's up, and you can go back to telling me lies, all right? 
And there's this little list I came across from famous, uh, this list of famous American fibs, right, that are kind of common to us in our society. You've never said this, right? I'll start my diet tomorrow. I said that this week as I was eating this piece of cheesecake that was the biggest piece of cheesecake I've ever seen in my life. Tomorrow, right? Um, maybe you've gotten this before when you've called your doctor, right? Um, I'll take your number, and the doctor will call you back as soon as possible. Sometimes they do call back, right? Sometimes they don't. Or maybe you've gotten this before. I'll call you as soon as it's done, and you never get the call. That happens to me all the time with a person I do business with. It's like a little frustrating. So I just go, okay, fine, call me when you're done. I call like three or four times. Is it done yet? It's like, no, I'll call you when it's done. They never call. How about one size fits all? (laughs) You're telling me that I'm going to put this canvas on and it's going to look good on me. You know, it's like ten sizes too big. It's huge. Or, you know, your luggage isn't lost. We just misplaced it. And we don't know where it is. Honey, I'm not lost. Right? Right? I'm just kind of, you know, going a way I've never gone before. I like to check out new roads, right? Leave your resume with me. We'll keep it on file. Or the favorite line of my parents, and I try to be cautious with this one as a parent. It seemed like it was the favorite line of my parents, and I always wanted to say, Really? No, really, I never did. Um, They said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. (laughs) Right? Or how about this one? We use this a lot. Just five minutes. Can I have just five minutes of your time? Or you get somebody who calls and says, I just want to ask you a couple questions. A couple? Really? 20 questions later. Open wide. This isn't going to hurt a bit. (laughs) Now that I stuck that needle way back in there, that hurt. But this isn't going to hurt. Hey, let's have lunch sometime. Hmm, and you never hear from them again, right? It's not the money. It's the principle of the issue. But wait a minute, it you know, usually is the money, right? We, those phrases are so common, aren't they? We, just, we laugh about them because we, we tend to hear them all the time, don't we? Even some of us use those phrases without, I think, without really thinking about what we're saying. What's disturbing to me is that many of these expressions likely never phase us as we're using them, and they actually do more to harm the truth than they do to help the truth. And when what we're trying to do is actually bolster the truth, right? And we're saying truthfully now, or just you know, just a minute of your time. You know, we're doing more harm than good by using phrases like that. And the world that we live in does more harm than good using phrases like that. You know, I would suggest that even if we're careful not to say such things. Let me suggest this, even if, and I've tried over the last few years to be more careful about using phrases like that because they're so easily thrown around and we don't really mean what we're saying when we say just a minute of your time, please. Right? <clears throat> even if we're careful not to use phrases like that in our conversations, I would suggest that many, many people, maybe even many of us, still have difficulty telling the truth at times. 
I, I might be stepping on your toes right now, but that's a challenge that I want to put out there today because I think that we do struggle to tell the truth at times. We do fail to tell the truth at times. Even if we're careful about using phrases like that, there are other ways. I did it last night. I was, you know, we were sitting at the supper table. Carolyn had made some wonderful chocolate chip cookies. They were still hot. Passed them around. Everybody got one. She got another bowl and passed them around again. And she said, did everybody get one? And I said, I don't have one in my hands. It was the truth. I don't have one. You know, it was the truth. I had, I had one. It was gone. I didn't have one in my hands, right? That, that's just a silly illustration of things that we do. We do things like that, don't we? It's when you ask your children, why, you know, why did you do that? And you guys have heard me say this before, right? Because I deal with this a lot. Why did you do that? The answer we get sometimes, more, more often than not, is, well, um, so-and-so did such-and-such and, you know, blame somebody else, right? That's not the truth, is it? As reported in USA Today some time ago, Gerald Jellison said, each of us, and he's um, going to even go further than I want, he's going to say each of us fibs at least 50 times a day. He says that we lie about our age. He says that we uh, lie about our income. We lie about our accomplishments. And we use lies to escape embarrassment. I think he's right. Unfortunately, You know, a common reason for what we call sometimes little white lies, a very common reason for those little white lies, we're told is is to protect someone else's feelings, to protect someone else's interests, right? But in truth, what we're really doing is protecting ourselves, aren't we? According to Jealous, and here are some of our most commonly used fibs, when something happens, something goes wrong, the first thing we often say, I, I just wasn't feeling well. Or, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> I know I did, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. That wasn't my intent. Or, the check is in the mail, right? I hate it when that happens to me, and the check really is in the mail. And I have to say, no, really, I know it sounds funny, but it really is in the mail, believe me. I was just kidding, Or he says, I was only trying to help. I was just trying to help. You know, we could say that, uh, you know, that's just the world we live in. It's just the world we live in. You can't do anything about it. You can't change it. It's just the world we live in. Just go with the flow. To that, I have to say, it doesn't matter if that's the world we live in. It doesn't make it right, does it? And those are some very subtle ways. I've talked about some very subtle ways. Mistruths and lies can creep into our conversations and lies can creep into our lives. But we have to be careful as God's people. Unfortunately, this kind of falsehood can be found in the life of many a believer. Half-truths. Really, no such thing as a half-truth, really, is there? It's a whole lie. You know, God's desire is that His church be a place of truthfulness. God's desire is that His people be a people who speak the truth. God's Word addresses this issue very well. I'd like to go together to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Would you go there with me? Colossians chapter 3. 
And I want to look at the next three verses in our study today, beginning at verse 9. Verses 9, 10, and 11 in Colossians chapter 3. God's Word addresses not only here, but many other places. But we're going to look at Colossians 3, verses 9 through 11 this morning, because God's Word addresses this issue of truthfulness in His church and in His people. And I want to focus on not on the world today, because the world's lies are pretty obvious. The world that we live in and the society that we live in is, is pretty common to just say whatever you can do to get ahead and just tell mistruths and lies to do anything you can to get ahead. But I want to talk about a believer's responsibility to tell the truth today. I want to talk about the church's responsibility to be made up of people who are truth tellers. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, where Paul says to the believers, okay, this is directed to the believers at Colossae, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. I want you to see today that believers who have put off the old self, you know we've been talking about putting to death the sins of the flesh, that are in us, that lead us to sin against God, to putting, putting to death the old ways, to getting rid of those things in our lives. I want you to see today that believers who have put off the old self and put on the new self should be marked by two qualities. There are two qualities that I want you to see from the Scriptures here this morning. Those two qualities are these. Truthfulness and unity. Truthfulness and unity. You know, when believers faithfully fix their thinking on things above, when God's children continually put on the new self and put to death the earthly in themselves, putting off the old self, it's going to result in truthfulness and unity. Let's look at it together. The new self results in truthfulness. That's number one. The new self ought to result in truthfulness. Look at verse 9 again and part of verse 10. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And the first part of verse 10 says, and have put on the new self. Do you understand how high a priority God puts on truthfulness? Do you really? Do you understand how serious God's Word treats truthfulness? Not too long ago, we studied in, it's been a while, maybe a year and a half or two years since we were in this part of Acts. We studied the book of Acts together. And not too long ago, you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? Do you know how seriously God treats truthfulness? How serious He is about His people being truth-tellers and His church being made up of people who are truth-tellers? you know how serious about it He is? There's a graphic illustration. We're not going to go there and look this morning. Many of you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias came in and lied in the church to those authorities in the church. And what happened to Ananias? God struck him dead. Sapphira came in a few moments later. 
She too was asked about the same issue. She too lied to the authorities in the church. And it wasn't the authorities in the church who struck her dad. God did. God judged Ananias and Sapphira for their lying, for their non-truthfulness, right? I think there's a, I think that's a graphic illustration for us from God's Word about a reminder about how serious God is about the truth. Now, just imagine if God treated us that way today for not telling the truth. I wonder how many of us would actually be here today, you know? God puts a high value on truthfulness. You know, the world you live in may not tell the truth, and they might not care whether anybody else tells the truth, but when they find people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ that don't tell the truth, that's meaningful to them. Because they know God's Word says you're supposed to tell the truth, and I'm supposed to tell the truth. And when unbelievers don't tell the truth, what do you think that does for the name of Jesus Christ? What do you think that does for the testimony of God's church? God puts a very high premium on truthfulness. Not only are lies against God's will. Not not only is a lack of truthfulness in God's church against God's will. But I want you to see too, and I want you to understand that, that lying and not telling the truth or telling partial truths or kind of telling the truth is playing on Satan's team. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Not only is lying against God's will and and the absence of truth-tellers in God's church against God's will, but when we fail to tell the truth and we do things that are very subtle, there are many ways that we don't tell the truth and we're very good at them. When we fail to tell the truth, we're actually cooperating with the devil. Have you ever thought about that? Warren Wiersbe notes that when a Christian lies, he is cooperating with Satan. When he speaks the truth in love, on the other hand, he is cooperating with the Spirit of God. You know, when people lie, when believers lie, they are doing so in partnership with Satan. John chapter 8, verse 44 informs us that Satan is the father of lies. You know this, right? John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and your, your will is to do your father's desires. Speaking of the devil here, he says, He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, when we participate in Satan's plan, I'm pretty sure that grieves God. Believers ought to be serious about putting off lying. Believers ought to be serious about putting on the truth in partnership with the Holy Spirit, who is truth and whom resides in heaven. Think about this truth from John chapter 14, verse 17. It says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot see because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. You see, you understand, don't you, that when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
You get the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. You get the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 reminds believers that we are to, at all times, speak the truth, never in an unkind and unloving manner, always in love. Ephesians 4, 15, rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. So John 15, 26 reminds us that we have the Holy Spirit within us. The Spirit of truth, the root of truth within us. Working to help us tell the truth. And Ephesians 4.15, which I just read, reminds us that we ought to be growing up through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, helping us to live in a way that is Christ-like, and that includes telling the truth. That leads us to the second reality in the life of God's children. When they put to death the earthly and put off lies, guess what comes next? I told you earlier, unity, right? Unity. The new self results in unity. Verses 9 and 10, again, listen to them. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, be done with lies, be all about the truth now. But how? In verse 10, Paul goes on to say, look at it. Look at verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. I want to pause just just for a moment here and invite you to come back tonight to talk more about this phrase, renewed in knowledge, because it is so critical that God's people be a people of wisdom from God's Word. Knowledge from God's Word helps us live in Christ-like ways, God-honoring ways. Helps us get rid of the lies. Helps us get rid of immorality and sin. More about that tonight. I want to encourage you to join us tonight for that as we dig into that phrase a little bit more and look at what... God's Word says elsewhere. But verse 10 again, "...put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator." So how does one put away the lies? Well, when you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, you receive the new man. I want you to think about that. I mentioned it again already just a moment ago. When you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit comes the new self. And yet at the same time, it almost seems contradictory, yet at the same time, we have to be renewing the the, the new self. With the Holy Spirit comes the new self. We are to do away with the old self and to be renewing the new self. How do we do that? There's something more here. We're to be continually being renewed is what we're learning here. This receiving of the new self is in the past tense. You received the new self. You have it. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the new self. That's in the past tense when you trusted Christ. But the renewal part is in the present tense. The renewal part is in the present tense. We're to be renewed day by day. It's a continual, ongoing process. And I want you to note that it says that this continual renewal of the new self comes about by knowledge. Knowledge. That's why it's so critical that believers in Jesus Christ also be Bible believers. 
And not just in word only, but in deed as well as we seek out the truth in God's word. It's all truth. It's His truth for us to read and study and apply to our own lives. Those who testify to know Jesus Christ ought to be lovers of His Word. Ought to be serious about learning His truth. Because only then can you put off the lies and be renewed in the new self. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 reminds us that to obey Christ is to know Christ. I want you to think about that thought for a moment. The more we know Christ, the more like Christ we become. Think about what Paul says in Philippians 3.10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings. Why? He says, becoming like Him in His death. You know, as we study the Word, we learn more of Christ. As we study God's precious gift to us in His Word, the Bible, as we study it, we learn more of Christ. And as we apply the Word through the power of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, think about the Holy Spirit working you, taking the Word that you're studying, putting it into action, into deeds, good deeds, obedience in your life. As you do that, the new self, is renewed day by day and strengthened and becomes more and more Christ-like. Romans 8.6 reminds us of this danger of leaving the old self intact. We can't afford to do this. We can't afford to leave the old self intact. Keeping our mind on the earthly only leads us to spiritual death But setting the mind on Christ leads to spiritual life and peace in this life. Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's why earlier in Colossians 3, Paul says, Get your mind on heaven, on the Christ-like thing. Get them off the earthly things. Because if you keep your mind in the gutter, it means death. It means spiritual death. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life. And peace. You see, when followers of Jesus Christ put off the old self, when we do away with the old man, when we do away with those sins that's so ungodly and unchristlike, and we put off the sins of the flesh, and that includes lying. Those who are being renewed in knowledge after the image of their Creator will be unified. If you want an illustration of that, just think about how difficult it is to get along with someone who's constantly telling lies. Does anybody like being around a person like that who told, tells these bald-faced lies? You know that you know that can't be true. You just don't want to be around a person like that. Think about the fracture in our relationship between a believer and his heavenly Father when the believer insists on telling lies. Think about the fracture in the church when the church is made up of people who refuse to stop telling lies. When when they refuse to tell the truth. When they refuse to practice the truth and do what God's Word says. Think about the disunity that follows. People, I want to be a church that's unified as a body of believers. But the way we achieve unity is not by having more fellowship times. Please don't misunderstand. I love our fellowship times. I love it when you bring you know, the goodies that we enjoy our fellowship times. Those are great times. But that's not unity. 
that ought to be an outworking of our unity. We ought to be able to have some wonderful times of fellowship because we are unified in the truth. You see, unity comes to the church and to God's people when we are serious about obeying God's Word and practicing the truth and getting rid of the lies from our lives and bringing in the truth no matter what. That's the problem though, isn't it? At times we say, well, it's not worth no matter what. I'm concerned about the outcome of this, so I'm not so sure I better tell the truth because if I tell the truth, I'm not sure what's going to happen and I don't want no matter what. But God's in control, isn't He? We looked at it this morning as we were studying in the Sunday school hour talking about the example of Jesus Christ and how He told the truth, knowing that He would go to the cross. He was at ease knowing that he was, you know, His heavenly Father was in control. He knew what was next. He knew that was His appointed hour. Someone brought up the point that He had sweat great drops of blood and anguish preceding that moment when He was being confronted by the authorities about things he had done. And he spoke the truth, knowing they would take the truth and use it against him. But he knew his father had a heavenly purpose in mind, didn't he? And that's where we need to come to. That's the point we need to come to in the life of the church, in the life as believers. We need to come to realize that God's in control. And if his word says tell the truth, then we need to tell the truth no matter what. Because His no matter what's better than anything I could imagine. Any, any outcome I could hope to accomplish by telling a lie, by not telling the truth, by fudging things and just telling half-truths and just not telling people the whole truth and love. His outcome's far better than anything I could imagine. His outcome on earth is Unity. It's unity in the body of believers, unity in the life of a believer with other believers and peace that comes. Unity comes to God's people when there's truthfulness and obedience to God's Word. I want to be a place that knows God's Word and loves God's Word and obeys God's Word because that will bring us into a unity that we cannot fabricate on our own. Colossians verse, chapter 3, verse 11. Look at 11 again. Verse 11, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here's an illustration Paul gives the Colossian believers and to us. When the people of God, in obedience to God's Word, yield to the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit and put on the new self and put off sexual immorality that we saw earlier in this passage and put off anger that we saw earlier in this passage and put off slander and filthy speech and put off deceit, lies, what follows? Verse 11 follows. Unity. Unity follows. And when the new self is lived out in God's people, there will be no room for racial inequality and racial prejudice. You say, where in the world did you get that? Right there in verse 11. Look at where it says, Paul says, here there is not Greek and Jew. He says, look, look, you know, you, you come into the, it's, it'd be as if you were Greeks and Jews today, and I'd say, okay, Greeks over there, Jews over here. You'd go, whoa, wait a minute, that's not right. Paul says there's absolutely no room in God's church 
for racial prejudice. You know, the world's been struggling hard to get that right for a long time now. The church had better get it right, you know? God's people had better get this right. There's no room in God's church for racial prejudice. There's not Jew and Greek. We're all one in Christ, aren't we? And there will be no place for religious hurdles to clear either. Look at the rest of that verse 11. It says, no circumcised and uncircumcised. It'd be, you know, they were arguing about whether or not, you know, if you're not circumcised, then you're not holy and spiritual. And God's Word says, baloney. Jesus Christ is the one requirement. Jesus Christ is the one requirement. It's not some external religious practice that makes us holy and makes us Christ-like. It is faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone plus nothing. So there will be no religious hurdles to clear when there's unity. There will be no cultural hurdles to clear He says, no barbarian or Scythian. It'd be like if I went out on the street and said, no, you look like a churchgoer. Go ahead and go in. No, you don't look like a churchgoer. Go down the road. Sorry, you're not welcome here. You don't look good enough, right? No no cultural hurdles. It's hard in this world, isn't it? Sometimes we look at people and go, "Ah, you're not like me. That shouldn't matter, should it? In God's family, that shouldn't matter. When we start telling the truth, when we start practicing the truth, we're going to put aside these things that we think make us different and come to the real truth, and that is, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you don't, you need to. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you wear. You need Jesus Christ. And you need to honor Christ with the way that you live. There will also be no cultural hurdles, that barbarian and Scythian. There will also be no social hurdles, slave or free, he says. We, we kind of tend to put up a lot of barriers, don't we? We kind of put up a lot of obstacles that make people run around these obstacles to become the kind of people we think they should be, when really what we should do is move all these barriers aside and say, look at the man, Jesus Christ. Do you know him personally? That's unity. God's people are to be done with the old self. God's people are to be done with the sins of the flesh. Putting on the new self. Why? Verse 11 says it, because Christ is all. Christ is all. He's all you need. He's all I need. Christ, now listen to this, Christ is also in all. And here's what Paul, I think, is saying here. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He's in you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He's in you all. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but if I said, raise your hands if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I could also say, hands raised, Christ is in all. Okay? Listen, we're unified because we have Christ in us as followers of Christ. And we ought to want to please Christ with the way that we live. We ought to want to shed the old way, right? Get rid of the old self and put on the new self that He brought and gave to us and is helping us renew day by day. And you know what will happen as we do that? We'll be unified. And think about how powerful a force we can be in this world in which we live as a unified body of believers living in this community 
that so desperately needs to know about our Jesus Christ. Christ is in all. He's in you. And you have a reason for hope that you can put off the old self and you can put away all these sins that are completely unchristlike. There is hope because Christ is at work in you and He is all you need. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Christ is in you and He's all you need. Don't ever forget that. Be done with the lies. Be done with the sexual immorality. Be done with the backstabbing. Be done with the talking behind people's backs and doing people wrong and thinking evil thoughts and be done with the old flesh. Come back to Colossians 3, these early verses for a reminder every once in a while, right? Verses 1 through 11. And get this encouragement from God's Word that Christ is in you. And with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, you can overcome these sins and leave this place and go into a world that so desperately needs to see you living like a believer so that they will realize they need what you have. Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, the world we live in does need Jesus Christ, and it desperately needs people who will be putting off the old man, putting off the old self, and putting on the new self in the power of Jesus Christ alive within them. Let's bow our heads together in prayer asking for His strength, because it is with His strength that we can accomplish this. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot overcome the sin of lying. We cannot overcome the sins that we see here that Paul talks about and challenges the Colossian believers with. We can't put away the sins of sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness, idolatry and wrath. We can't do those things without the help of the Holy Spirit. As I pray this morning, would you let me challenge you to remember to pray and ask for God's help daily? Let's pray and ask for God's help right now. Father in heaven, we do need your help daily in putting on the new self. We're so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit living in us because we believe in Jesus Christ. We've confessed that we are sinners in need of a Savior and we've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and as our Savior. So, Father, I pray, help us to live in the power of Jesus Christ daily. Help us to be renewed day by day. Lord, help us to be renewed in knowledge. after the image of our Creator. Lord, help us to go to Your Word always for Your truth. Help us to measure everything in our lives and the things that go on in this world around us by whether or not they are true based on what Your Word says, not by what people say, but by what God's Word teaches us to be true because we know that God's Word is true. And God's Word is life. It is the Word of God paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us to to grow up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us to be a people who are very serious about getting rid of these sins that Paul goes and so graphically names for us to remind us about how serious these things are in the life of a believer when they go unchecked. 
So Lord, we come before You this morning confessing our sin before You and how often we sin and our weakness before You, asking for Your strength, and Your forgiveness, and Your cleansing, all made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we pray and thank You for that blood shed for us. Lord, help us as we leave this place this morning, headed into another week, that we would go go forth with renewed commitment to obey your word in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.